3: You are listening to
2: Season 2, Episode 97 of the Cubs Fly the W670 Podcast. Scott Boris, his clients, and the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. And you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy one week till Christmas.
4: Yep, and uh, hopefully we'll find some Cubs players under our Cubs tree, but uh, until then, <laughs> till then, we
2: wait. We wait patiently. Well, the guy who has all the players, it would seem, is Scott Boris, except for Shohei Otani. And uh, he, Scott Boris, was a guest with uh, our guy, Bruce Levine, on 670 The Scores inside the clubhouse.
4: Yeah, you know, it's, it's – my favorite thing about 670 The Scores, like I said, just having – somebody talking baseball in the middle of football season for me it's like an oasis so and Bruce you know Bruce with all the years all the context always has a great guess and uh, like you said Scott Boris boasts a very impressive stable of clients that the Cubs would be interested in signing for the right price um, but we have some clips for the interview and of course you know obviously one of the main topics Dustin is Cody Bellinger and you know it, it's there's a lot of questions about, you know, okay, Scott's coming on the 670 the score, talking to all the Chicagoans, and Scott Boris doesn't do
2: anything without some sort of intention into it, if you get what I'm saying.
4: Right. Is that, that, that What was the
2: point? Why did he agree to go on with Bruce? Why did he agree to go on the flagship station for the Chicago Cubs on the radio? Um, yeah, so I think this is stuff to talk about. I think we'll have to read between the lines when we take a listen to a couple of his comments. All righty, so here we go. First comment, obviously, right out of the gates,
4: Cody Bellinger.
3: Well, as far as Cody goes, Bruce, I think you know that uh, he really enjoyed the city of Chicago, enjoyed being a Cub, and and always these decisions really, really uh, tender on the idea that uh, you know wh- how competitive that ownership wants to be to acquire the best players, and I I hope for all of Chicago that. Uh, you know the uh, the Cubs are uh, meet the competitive nature of of the league to uh, to uh, you know compete for the best players and have a good team for them.
4: All right. So again, love playing in Chicago. Cody did, and he loves uh, all of that. But he's going to mention in a few of these clips ownership. Okay, are, are the Cubs? Willing to play with the big dogs, and 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 I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't. You know what I'm saying?
2: Well, at some point, the Cubs are going to have to do business with Scott Boris. You have to. Now, he's got like a lot of the good players, and there's a reason he has a lot of the good players. And if the Cubs want to be as good as they want to be, you're gonna to have to do business with the guy. Right. Bottom line. And, you can't, and, you, can't and, and, you can't you can't have this you can't have this. We don't do Scott Boris players. That's just dumb. And, and, you know, I think another big part of it and a question, I think that,
4: you know, for Jed is, is, is he risk averse? Is he worried about signing a big deal after the whole Jason Hayward fiasco? And you know what? Sometimes those big deals don't work. Sometimes they do, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, try and swing for the fences, you know?
2: Right. So we did hear Jed talk about sometimes winning the offseason is a curse, but you know, not participating in the off season is also a curse <laughs> and right. That's where we're at right now. Like right now, right now, I'm not saying that the Cubs didn't try with Otani and we might get into that a little bit later, but right now they're not participating. Yep. So what right we now right. <laughs>
4: we're, we're, we're kind of waiting and seeing, and I'm sure there's conversations. And then, uh, you know, Scott Boris is going to go on to kind of go through Cody's Cody's resume, which of course is, is pretty good. Here's a couple of things that uh, Scott Boris had to say about his client, Cody Bellinger. You,
3: know, you, you always have to reflect that every time you have a great player, young player, who's had injury. Bryce Harper was injured multiple times after he won an MVP. Uh, he had like a 1.8 war, which is well below standards of a star player. Uh, you know, it was a, a five war player. Um, so, well, does that minimize his productivity going forward? And the answer is clearly the evidence shows it does not. And, and that was in his platform here. Corey Seager had major hip surgery. He had Tommy John surgery. He had a couple years in his career where he did not uh, certainly uh, – he was hurt, did not play, uh, Cody tried to play even though he was hurt because he could make a defensive contribution for his team. So these kinds of things where you're going to have elements of injury, malperformance by great young talents is not unusual. But the key thing is that when, and even in Cody's case, and, and Corey Seager got hurt his platform year before he was a free agent, he only played 90 games. And Courtney played in the full season. So these things are dynamics that the, the, the evidence of it is, is that when you have MVP skills and you've won that award at a young age and you've continued to get top ten voting three out of your first six years, that resume has a very clear and strong evidence that you're going to be a great player uh, going forward and for a long time.
4: So, couple, you know, I think obviously those there's a couple concerns when it comes to Cody Bellinger and signing him to let's say a 200 plus million dollar contract, and and that has to be you know those years where he really really struggled, especially in 21 and 22 when he was really one of the worst offensive players in baseball, and so the thing that Scott brings up is some of these guys have gotten injured and look what happens. Look at what happened with Bryce Harper. Do you think that would have been nice with the Cubs? Uh Corey Seager, what he called his platform year. So on his walk year is what Scott's calling the platform year. You know, how you saw what Corey Seager did with Texas this year and helping them win the World Series, winning helping the Rangers win the World Series. Um, so you know, when he's talking about these guys with MVP, you know, talent that that, you know, yeah, Cody had a couple off years, but rather than take time off, he was trying to help the team. Because he could defensively, so that's again the big knock on on Cody is well, what about these couple of years? And what Scott's doing is trying to frame it as, hey, he was injured, but so was Bryce Harper for a little bit. He was dinged up,
2: so was Corey Seager. Look at how that looks now. Yeah, he said, uh, listen, the guy's the guy's really good at what he does. Okay, <laughs> he's really really good at, at what he does. It's just like I said, like I said earlier, Crawley, the Cubs have to be willing to come to the table. And work with this guy, they have to. It's got, I mean, it's not. It's not just. It's not just Cody Bellinger, right? I mean, there's more people we're going to talk about here.
4: Oh, absolutely. And and this is Scott a little bit more talking about what Bellinger has to offer
3: in this marketplace. Uh, when when you have 28 and under year old free agents uh, that are available, it's they're just. It just doesn't happen very often. In a decade, it may happen. You know that you might have six or seven of these players that at that age that would be available. And then you add that they've won MVPs. You have add that they've been in the top 10 MVP voting three times, including his platform season in Chicago. You start to look and say, who has those qualifications and who's that young? And what have those players done who've done that um, uh, since then? And you have to understand that Otani, Bryce Harper, uh, Corey Seager, and all these guys, have, you know, I mean, uh, Corey Seager hasn't won an MVP, but he's been in the top ten and voting multiple times. They have actually gotten better after the age of 28, and they've turned out to be, you know, franchise players for their specific teams. And all of this, you know, obviously every major league team knows this, every owner knows this, and they know that these players are something that once you, You captivate him. This is how you potentiate winning. And Cody's already won a world championship, He's and he's already played in the World Series. So he has the full complement of age, uh, MVP performance, and championship-level play experience demonstrated that, you know, he's a a great postseason performer. So you're getting a a resume that is, frankly, uh, rare to... To have access to, and so when you're asking me where do these players end up, it's highly competitive, and um, uh, and uh, it's just something where ownership has to uh, really embrace it and do their best to uh, uh, achieve a level of competition to acquire the player.
4: Hey, he said ownership. That means we drink, right? Um, so when, 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 (laughs) anyway. (laughs) here's the funny thing though, Dustin is is that, you know, when I listen to it and, and a lot of what he's talking about is, yeah, Cody was injured. Um, and talking about his age, as far as you don't get a lot of these guys, like a Bryce Harper, like a Corey Seager that get, you know, to their free agency at such a young age, 26, 27 years old. Right. So if you're thinking about a seven, eight year deal, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you're. What you really, when you look at those long-term contracts, Dustin, is those first half of the contract, right? Mm -hmm. You know at the back end you're going to have a decline. But those first four years, when you're talking 27 to age 31, 32, that should be a ball player's prime, correct? Should be, yeah. But when you when he talked about the MVP, the rookie of the year, the postseason experience, winning a World Series, yeah, he had a little bit of injuries, but now look at these guys. You know which client he didn't bring up? the cup fans might remember no how about chris bryant (laughs)
5: no
2: okay
4: so you could everything that he's saying about cody bellinger right now you could he could have made just taken out cody bellinger and just said chris bryant and every single thing he said would have been true tried to play through some injuries was an mvp young player rookie of the year won a world series had went to three nlcs's do you think colorado's happy with that contract that they got no <laughs> so i guess i guess if i'm jed hoyer that would be the flip side is like you know we did have a guy a contract a client of yours you know uh remember chris bryant how's that big contract you got him working out for colorado so um again you know but but again when you have when you do have a guy that ha- has been an mvp caliber and he is going to you know being young and you can lock him up like i said now if he's going to be 27 to let's say a 10 year deal, or maybe even eight, let's say eight year deal. Let's be realistic. 27. That takes him to what? 35, 36. You know, I think at that point, you know, it's something to really think about. People are still concerned about his hard hit rate, his barrel rate. Um, Whether that makes a big deal, I don't know, but uh, this is this next quote right here is interesting just because it talks about that, about how the Cubs know what they got in Cody.
3: Well, I'm sure Bruce that, you know, uh, the Chicago fans understand that, you know, who are the Cubs with Cody and who are the Cubs without them? And, you know, when you play in a market that you actually get to answer that question by the performance of the player, um, you uh, can really determine what, what he means to a specific franchise and their probability of winning and what it would be like without him being there.
4: Question for you, Dustin. If Cody Bellinger was not a miracle from the baseball gods last season in 2023, Cubs finished with 83 wins. Cody Bellinger's not on that team. How many wins do you
2: think that team has? Ooh. 75, 73. Yeah, it it looks a
4: little different, doesn't it? It looks a little different. You you agree
2: with that? I'd, I'd put that at about 75. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, and we, we saw, unfortunately we saw that lineup without him, you know, he missed some time. Right. So we did, we did see that.
4: When he hurt his knee in uh, Houston and he was out for a little bit, but I guess the thing I think about Dustin, you know, is, is that remember we talked about this before is why would you trade players to get a Juan Soto? And I think what we talked about back then is that if you're going to get a Juan Soto, let's say for 400 to 450 million, right. Wouldn't you want to see what he could do first before committing that dollar amount? So I think what Scott's saying there is, look, the Cubs saw what he was firsthand, the kind of worker he was, the kind of teammate he was, you know, playing center field, playing first base, just really everything that he brought to the table. And so if the Cubs know 100% what Cody is, then they shouldn't have a problem committing to him, correct? Should not. No, they should not. Now you talked a little bit earlier, um, Dustin, about the fact that you know Scott has a big stable client, and Juan Soto is one of them. Another one, a guy that we've been talking about, Reese Hoskins, and there's been, you know, talk lately with Cody Bellinger about possibly right now, uh, you know, Toronto being the favorites and no longer the Cubs being the favorites. I think Bob Nightingale reported that. Another guy that we've talked about, Reese Hoskins. And recently there's been talk about him going to the Mariners. And so this is the tough thing, Dustin. We don't know what's smoke and what's not because a lot, like I said, a lot of times these agents, you know, he's going to come on the score because he has a message he wants to send to the fans of Chicago to put pressure on ownership. He has, you know, certain things that get leaked to the media are intentionally leaked to, you know, to get people excited. We saw the whole thing with Otani going to Toronto on a plane that he was never on. These things happen, man. And it's a game. And so who knows, but this is what uh, Scott Boris had to say about Reese Hoskins, another one of his clients.
3: Yeah. He had a, uh, you know, a knee, a knee operation. I don't want to say for a guy who had three of them, I, I, <laughs> none of them are, Sam, but he had a, a knee. Operation. He's, he was fine. He came back and actually uh, he was going to potentially be added to the world series roster of the Phillies if they, if they kept advancing. So he, uh, really got back to uh, a playing mark and uh, is pretty much ready to go for the, uh, for the 24 season.
4: So sounded like Reese Hoskins was going to pull a Kyle, Kyle Schwarber and show up to save the team in the world series. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. If the Phillies would have gotten there. And right. so he's saying, of course, yeah. he says all the right Reese's, things. Again, the guy's brilliant at what he does, Crawley, no doubt about it. I just,
4: Dustin, look, nobody is going to give Reese Hoskins right now a four or five year deal, right? No. Mm-mm.
5: So, where does, so why he, not- where, does,
2: where does he want to go? Right? Where does where does Reese want to go? Does he want to go where he might win? Does he want to go where that's the most amount of money? Um, we have to wait and see. I, I don't know where he's from. I don't know what his, his marital situation is, if that's a thing. You know, where's the wife from? Where's the girlfriend from? Um, okay. So there's all kinds of things to take into consideration. He's from Northern California, which is right by, you know, where
4: those Seattle rumors start coming by yep. mm-hmm. on the West Coast. Um, but I think Dustin, you know, everybody knows he's not gonna get a four or five year deal right now. No. so why wouldn't you just whatever the cubs, who cares about the money at this point, say two years, forty million dollars, or at least maybe two years thirty-five million dollars with an opt-out after the first year.
2: Right. Because you, you need that? that, I mean you need a first baseman and you need a DH. And he could right. be a combo of that, right? Yeah, I mean to make the listen. I I would be fine with that. I would be fine I I, with I just that. don't get with the holdup on that unless, one. Is unless, unless they're worried about the medical, they're worried, they're worried about something. Right, but I don't Craig... I honestly right now I can't figure out what the hell they're doing. I, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't I'm confused. I just really am. I'm just really confused on what they're unless they just believe that they got the best free agent out there, and he wasn't really even a free agent, and that was the new skipper, Craig Council. Unless they think right. that's like the addition of Craig Council, they're winning the division. And if they're but in I, a position to win the division, then they'll make a move at the trade deadline.
4: But see, my understanding is, is what they sold correct council on was we're going to get you players when Milwaukee wouldn't.
2: Well, so right. you, well, you, does you, that mean <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean in the, in the in free agency, right? Maybe it's at the trade deadline, but again, right. I don't, I don't think that the Cubs on paper right now, I don't think they're a 500 team, man.
4: Okay. And, Where it and, sits and this right is, now they're
2: not a 500 team. They don't have any and, offense. And, they don't have enough offense.
4: And Dustin, this is what Scott Boris had to say, which kind of just kind of nails the hits the nail on the head on that one here. Here we go.
3: You've got to make sure that that uh, you uh, you can illustrate to your fan base that you want to win, and if you don't get these players. They're not going to be available in the next free agent market. And then you try to mitigate that by trading for lesser players. And most of the players you're trading for, teams aren't giving away young two-way players. And in this marketplace, particularly in the offensive category, there is not a lot of offense that's available uh, for two-way players um, to really allow your club not only to sustain where they were a year ago, but actually improve and get better. And that's the, the hard part for the Cubs because obviously Cody got them to this level and they need even more than that to advance to higher levels uh to um, you know to win their division and, and to to really advance deep into the playoffs. So these are these are competitive times. Ownership has to support, you know, the executives of their teams and their pursuits. And what you find is is that many of them don't and those that do i think uh, get get rewarded for it
2: all right uh, but it, cut, what i heard what i heard there is that cody bellinger is not even enough to get the cubs over the hump that's what he just said if i if i heard what he said
4: right and and we saw that last year with everything that cody did with being the comeback player of the year they fell one game short, and they lost Marcus Stroman, who, again, don't forget, had a very, very good first half, an all-star first half. So you have to replace the – you have to equal the production of Cody and you have to equal the production of Stroman just to get to yourself at 83 wins. Well, 83 wins didn't get you in the postseason, and it, and, and if if somehow the Cubs would have made it in the postseason, Dustin, again, you never know, but I can just tell you they weren't going far. Let, let's be – hundred. stranger things have happened – but trust me, you wouldn't have been betting the house that the Cubs were winning the World Series with the team they had last year. So nope. again, this is good. good teams spend money. Okay, we're going to talk about Shohei Otani last year or later, but don't discount the fact that the Dodgers are always winning and always getting players. Don't think that that was lost on someone like Shohei Otani. I don't care where he preferred to play. Point of the matter is, is people want to play for a winning organization. And so at this point in time, that's going to cost you money. I'm sorry. The Dodgers aren't going anywhere. New York, we're going to talk about it later. The two New York clubs are battling for Yamamoto services. You want to sit there and wait to get the best deal? You want to go shopping for the generic brand cereal?
2: That's fine. It's just not as good. I'm sorry. Yeah. And again, they're not charging. they're not charging generic prices either to go to the games, right?
4: No, sir. Highest highest ticket experience in all experience, of baseball. Right. When you factor in parking, tickets, beer, hot dogs, souvenirs, highest. So again, I, I don't I, I don't mind paying that as long as... Are we, are we I still see, paying for
2: concrete? Are we still paying for concrete?
4: <laughs> I, I don't mind paying for concrete as long as I see that the team is investing in the best players out there.
2: Well, right. But I, my point is, is that the reason they're not investing in players is because we're still trying to pay off the concrete. Maybe
4: anyway, we'll see. I, 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 all I can tell you again, I was at Wrigleyville this weekend and and people were all over Chris Kindle market, all over their restaurants and bars. I knew people personally that were staying at the hotel Zachary this weekend. So it used to be Wrigley made them money. Uh, when the season was starting
2: Wrigley field now is a year round cash cow. And what, what do you, what do you guess? What, what, what was hotel Zachary this weekend?
4: Oh, my God. I'm hoping it wasn't more than six, $700 a night, but probably I mean, more than
2: that. I mean, that's ridiculous.
4: That's ridiculous. Hey, all I'm asking the Cubs is, is, is spend because that's what Cub fans have been doing is spending to help this team.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.
2: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It is season two. It's episode 97. Scott Boris, his clients, and the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Uh, Nisei Lounge, the oldest bar in Wrigleyville. Uh, Chicago is the birthplace for everyone's favorite. liqueur, Malort, at least Crowley's favorite. And right now Crowley's talking to Pat Odin and Val Capone about uh, two legendary Chicago brands. Joining me now on Fly the W podcast,
4: I have the director of beer and baseball operations for Nisei Lounge, Pat Odin, and professional mixologist Val Capone. Guys, how are you doing today?
1: (laughs) Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, today is an interesting day. It's Monday, so it's a another fantastic start to the week.
0: Absolutely. uh... It's opening day cold in Chicago today, but other than that, ready for the holidays, ready for some free agent signings.
4: Well, you know, you guys are the oldest bar in Wrigleyville. Uh, opened, gosh, how many years ago are we talking now? 60, 61?
1: 67. No more. 51. Well, no, we opened in 1951, but it's been 67 years, if I math correctly. But I'm a not a mathologist. I'm a mixologist, so... <laughs>
4: But the oldest bar in Wrigleyville, and 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 for for the people in the know, I mean, Nisei has always been a place where 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 the where the diehards always tend to go. When you think about uh, when you think about Paul Sullivan running over there and rain during rain delays, when you w- whether the tarps on the field or not, you got the plunging penguins day baseball Nisei facts from everybody's favorite internet dad. I mean, you guys have always been known for a lot of things. Your great staff, including the black beer Baron and Nisei Lou and Val who's with us and Bleacher Jeff. But the one thing you guys really, like I said, I n- never, this is a picture, by the way, an old school picture. Do you remember this Val? This is, this is, I do. this is in 2015 after the Cubs beat the Cardinals and I had jury duty the next day. And uh, <laughs> you, you can take a look. I, I was doing a, a few shots. So I think that bottle of Malort right there was um, full when we started And not so full in the picture right there. We also look a lot younger.
1: I could tell you that that was me. Next to me is my brother. Next to him, that's my brother, Kevin. He's doing the M for Malort and also Midwest. Uh, Next to him is uh, Joe DeLugos, who is a beer vendor at Wrigley Field, alongside with me. And you can see my best friend, Carrie, is kind of in between me and Joe. Um, Next to him is, of course, you, Crawley. Next to Crawley is my season ticket partner, Linda, and Next to Linda is work spouse Tony. Everybody thinks that we're married, but we just love each other, argue, and uh, yes, we're not married, but he uh is at the helm of the center field scoreboard. Um, and he's been there for I, geez, this will be my 19th season at Wrigley as a beer vendor, and so he's been there, I think, for. 24, 25, something like that. But uh, yeah, I got to work the World Series season with him underneath the center field scoreboard. I currently work at Section 203 when I'm not mixing up the Malort's at Nisei. But yeah. Well, that's,
4: you know, that's kind of what you, we, we were talking about here is to me, <laughs> you guys, and, and and for those of you who subscribe to the 670 The Score uh, YouTube channel, this is the infamous wall of Malort. And, and I think that you guys were the one to me that really put Malort on the map.
0: Well, we I mean, certainly couldn't tweet about it any more than we already do. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, that wall was winning a bet that we couldn't put a hundred bottles of Malort on a wall, and it was destiny because we made it with like space for one bottle to spare.
1: Yeah, and but, also, and, I mean, we go through that in I would say like a week and a half, two weeks, sometimes, sometimes more, sometimes less. I mean, we go through so much Malort; it's not even funny. And, uh, it's a a regular basis. Sometimes it'll be more, you know, in the off season, but during baseball season, that's easily gone in a homestand, you know? Right.
4: And, and so that's the thing is that, you know, and this is an old school picture that I took there. I don't know. You had this shirt for a little bit. Carl Jepson took my lunch money.
1: Oh yeah. We did a photo shoot with that one. That's when I still had really long hair because, uh, I was actually in a drag show for charity in Las Vegas. Um, and so I was like, a couple different male wrestlers and yeah, I had bleached my hair out. And so it's like me, you and Doug, I think did a photo shoot in that shirt. Yeah. Doug, one of the innovators of, uh, Malort infusions actually. Yeah.
4: Well, that's, that's, that's why I have you guys on here. I love Nisei Lounge. Always wanted, we, I was just there Saturday. And, um, but, but this whole thing about infusions, tell us how that all got started as far as the idea to infuse Malort with different
0: items. I know exactly when this happened because, as you probably remember, since we leave it up all year now, yeah, uh, the bar would go all in on decorations
1: from the dollar store.
0: From the dollar store, hundreds of dollars of dollar store decorations from November until the weekend before St. Patty's Day, and now we just leave it up all year round because we either love Christmas or we're tired of climbing the ladder and doing Both. it every year.
1: Both, but, it hurts. It's painful.
0: The first year we infused anything, it was because there were some candy canes left over from the dollar store for decoration. They're hard to thumbtack a candy cane to a ceiling. And I just <laughs> knew if we kept it, they were going to sit there all year and get moved around and be clutter and drive me insane. So I looked at Doug, who was bartending at the time, and said, throw this these canes in that bottle of the Lord and let's see what we get. And... That was probably the best one we ever came up with, but we've tried to do better. Probably over like sixty different versions since. Well, but over. that was just creative clutter removal. We made true science. Eureka!
4: And and what are some? I know you guys have done other uh, infusions in the past, Val. What are some of the more popular malort well, infusions?
1: Um, definitely as as I said that that's the Mariah Candy uh, Mariah Carey rather of malort infusions because she tastes like Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. it's perfect Malort Um, The number two most requested, I think, that I get asked for the most is coffee Malort. Um, that's a fantastic one. Um, and then people said, what are you going to do for Patty's Day? How are you going to make a green Malort? And so in Trudy's Day form, we said, OK, you want green Malort. Well, here you go. And we made sport pepper Malort, uh, which I lovingly call sporty Malorty. Um, that goes over very well. Uh, since I'm half Irish Catholic and half Jewish, I, uh, last year started making the Festival of Fights collection, which I made another set this year. It's almost done since Hanukkah just wrapped up. Um, kosher delicious is a really nice one that people like a lot. It's a really nice kosher dill pickle. Um, you know, it just sauerkraut has gone over really well or really <laughs> wrong, depending on who you talk to. Um, we just skittles, red vines, Um, you know, we just go all across the board. It just, whatever weird little squirrels and possums in my brain tell me to make, that's what I do. And I just get really fun with it. Um, I also work spring training every year. I drive out to Sloan park and make that pilgrimage for a month and a half. So on the way back, I usually stop in New Mexico and I pick up hella, hella good hatch chilies, like fresh hatch chilies. And so I make a uh, better call Carl in reference to the stellar show, better call Saul. So that's always a really good one that people are either terrified or delighted by. Um, yeah. It just kind of depends on whatever weird concoctions the Nisei gods allow me to make. So, and, yeah. and again, whether we're talking about
4: plunging penguins or whether you're, you guys are testing at what temperature Malort will freeze you're, it seems like, you know, you always are finding something fun to do. And, and I, I don't know, didn't ever freeze?
0: Uh polar vortex, it did. I would have to look up what it was, but it froze solid, which was shocking. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> but that was the polar vortex, and I think that was the only joy Chicago had that week was us breaking the frozen malort barrier on the beer garden.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gnarly. And didn't we try to freeze Froze as well and like all different liquids? And the Malort was the one that stood the test of time and froze last. It was like very Chicago.
0: So yeah, we have some leftover beer cans from the world series and we waited to see what would explode open up first and everything else caved but at the end even the malort froze solid which is let's not polar vortex again anytime soon yeah please no
1: no i was born in a blizzard i'm good there but yeah i mean it, it really is just fun and especially since we get to do so much of it um in the name of charity which is kind of i feel like the reason why we should continue to raise a ruckus, if you will, because it's all in the name of a good cause. And especially this time of year, there's a lot of Chicagoans that need a little bit of extra help. So I think that's why well, I'm delighting in all of this chaos that's happening right now.
4: So well, let's get to that chaos because you know, um our friend Matt Linder, he's on Twitter a lot and goes to a lot of bars, a regular customer to many great Chicago bars. But we ended up sitting here, and, and and you saw this tweet come out, and everybody kind of scratched their head. <coughs> Jepson's Malort puts out, introducing our final seasonal Malort of the year, Candy Cane Malort. This limited edition Malort has notes of peppermint candy with an even more bitter finish. And everybody kind of just kind of turned their head that knew and was like, oh, wait a sec, what's going on? And then to make matters worse, they were selling it for $150. That's a lot of dollar store candy canes, Pat.
0: Uh, that's 30 old styles at Nisei Lounge during the off-season.
4: <laughs> well, now, now, again, it seemed to me this wasn't the first time they copied their infu- your infusions, correct?
0: They, they have made a pumpkin spice one. We came up with that like three years ago. And there aren't a lot of great things about social media, but it does make it real easy to look back and see when something was first mentioned on there. Um, and they did that. We joked about doing a Thanksgiving one for years. I'll credit to them. They made one with Turkey bouillon, which is a health code barrier. We weren't willing to cross. Um, <laughs> however they did it, we try not to put meat in Malort. Um, but the candy cane thing's ridiculous and their marketing, they haven't done too much original and new in the last few years. So if you're going to copy our inspiration, cause Lord knows we're an inspiring dive bar. Um, a tip of the cap as what we consider traditional at a minimum. And uh, they are quite stubborn about not tipping the cap to the uh, original candy cane Malort bar.
1: Well, the thing that I found the most frustrating is, um, you know, borrowing or whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it. Malort's giving was just straight up rude because to me that's a very special thing that we've been doing for about a decade now where we do have all the miscreants that uh, call Nisei home or people that find a place and find a family within our walls. It's very special to us and to them and to me in particular and the fact that they straight up use that name to call their Thanksgiving Malort, Malort's Giving. They could have named it anything else And that is something that we very much have called our traditional day that we open the bar on Thanksgiving. Without getting super political, I don't personally care for that very specific holiday for many, many reasons. Um, But I do care for what we get to do at Nisei, whether it be having um, friends of the bar dress up like the mythical and magical Malortki and hand out shots of Malort to everybody that's in the bar, or just giving people that don't have a family here in Chicago or don't want to be with their family because they have severed family ties. Give them a place to call their home. You know, when I leave my partner and my dad and like, because I want to make sure that people have a place to call, even if it's five people in the bar or it's 50 or it's a hundred, it doesn't matter to me. The fact that people have some place cool to call their own. And they took that name without even giving a nod to Nisei. That pissed me off wildly. And to say that it's in the name of charity, but then there's no follow up with, these are the charities that we're working with. These are the charities that are important to us, CH. Showing the members that work at CH. It's not the people at CH that bother me. I love a lot of the people that work at CH. I care about them. Some of them are my friends, you know? It's what are the charities that you're supposedly giving this $150 a bottle, $8 a shot, where is this money going to tell me more about these charities? And until I called them out and said, so what is happening with this money? Nothing was said. And then suddenly an apology of non-apology got released that they were earmarking $45,000. What a random number. First off, I hate the number 45. Okay. <laughs> it ruined Michael Jordan's career. Let's be real. And for other reasons, <clears throat> but like, what a random number from October first, forty five thousand dollars. Really, bros? Okay. And there's well, that's nothing
4: the thing. Like, you, like you know you you mentioned this, and and this is what we're talking about when it comes to the internet. It does give the little guys a chance to kind of punch up against CH Distilleries, and so you you guys you know Pat you know you you guys responded. Look, Jepsons Malort. We still sat quietly while you built your brand this fall, copying our infusions and selling them as house bottles at CH. At a filthy product without crediting us, but this is fucking bullshit. Quit stealing our mixology ideas without attribution.
0: And that's when things really went down. Is that right? I'm going to be house counsel for Nisei lounge, LTD and Illinois corporation real quickly and say, as we are taking them at their word, when they identified a, I believe it was a Missouri based vision charity and others that they've given what they said. Um, That wasn't at all clear from some of their earlier posts, but they did clarify that, not the inspiration. And so we'll take them at their word um, that they've done so. Uh, We just, just because you did it for charity doesn't mean you didn't copy the idea without a tip of the cap is what really, really was what made people want to run and charge the mound with them. Um, And that was the one where we finally had it. And look, like a good manager that I strive to be, like Craig Council, um, I told the team of bartenders to stay in the dugout for a long time Right, with some of the ideas. But the candy cane one is just ridiculous. Like, we invented it. We've sold a ton of it every December. We're like, you got to tip the cap when you're going to copy that. We're not even saying you can trademark it because we, we can't. Right. We're just saying you got to credit the players who brung you. And that's our staff. And remarkably, they've dug in and refused to do that, which is just astonishing. The other thing that is most hilarious about the situation um, they're a big boy distillery. They've got people with departments and stuff. And they've just gone silent, which, if you'll remember, like seven years ago, we were getting out of T Box, the legendary bark crawl in Wrigleyville, and some Jagoff threw up during that thing into our Toys for Tots box. And that was horrible. Yeah. Fortunately, we re- we didn't have too many toys in there yet because it was early. Like Forty-eight hours later, the guy that ran T-Box at the time was there with like eight huge bags of toys, going, "Oh crap, we're sorry." Like when you're being outdone in PR by T-Box, I mean that's one for the record books,
4: right? And this is what we have now. Everyone has now termed the non-apology apology where they did try to clarify some things, but again, never specifically giving Nisei their credit. And I think Val, when you were talking a little bit about, you know, Malort, uh, Malort miss and Malort giving and all that. And, you know, you do provide more, you know, there's a lot of bars that have, you know, old style and and, and, uh, Malort and stuff, but you guys kind of provide a home for a lot of people, people that are around not just when the Cubs are in town, but also when they're not in town and, you know, you're around, it's it's always a great place that people want to go and so when all of a sudden, you know, it went there, you guys had, the, the Twitter verse just kind of came out in droves to defend you guys. And that had to have felt good to see all your supporters, you know, demanding that, uh, you know, CH Distilleries do something, say something to, to right the wrong. And even though they haven't, hey, man, you guys always still get the last laugh, right?
1: It did make me feel really good. Um, so many people – have stopped by just to say, hey, I just want to support Nisei. I just want to support you. I just want to support the Greater uh, Chicago Food Depository, which is so crucial because that's who we're um, donating a dollar from each and every shot sold through December 30th, at least, although I hope longer. Um, you know, because it's it's a great cause and uh, it's a wonderful feeling. I've also gotten a lot of people that have directed a lot of hate at me personally. And it's like, cool, for all the people that hate me, wonderful, donate a dollar. Donate money to a good cause. You can hate me all you want, but you can't hate a good cause. And I honestly, I'm not the only person that's making these infusions. There's a wonderful, wonderful coworker of mine who works every Friday afternoon, works tirelessly to make sure that the candy cane Malort stock has been replenished. And she arts and crafts that beautiful banner that you see outside. My coworker, Katie, she is fantastic. Virginia, whose birthday is actually today. She works on Mondays. She has come up with some crazy concoctions as well. Like it's a, it's a team effort. Like I am the director of Malord M- Infusions for Nisei Labs at Nisei Lounge. And I, I come up with a lot of the really weird shenanigans that we have. But Nisei Lu, my best friend and one of my hetero life mates, She has come up with so many things over the years, like the wizardry that lives in that woman's head. It's brilliant. Like we are a family at Nisei and, you know, we all do this together. So every time um, I start feeling the hate, I'm just reminded of the love. Like there was a wonderful woman named Marta who was there on Saturday with her partner and his parents and um, her partner's parents. Michelle had never had Malort before. And I was sitting there while Jay, the Black Baron, was behind the bar and he was doing his thing. And it was crazy as all get out on Saturday. And I was trying to make Malorts because we were, you know, running out of candy cane Malort. Katie made something like 12 bottles and we only had two and a half left because everybody's been coming in and supporting me say, thank you so much. And Michelle said, oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to try it. And I said, well, Michelle, let me, let me get you one. And if you hate it, you don't have to pay for it. And if you like it, then... You know, make the donation and it it'll go towards charity. And she said, "Well, that's not half bad. I love it." And it was so great. And she had such a good experience. And uh, my partner was helping me peel candy canes, and it was so wonderful. And Marta was shaking a bottle so feverishly, she was shaking two of them that she helped me make an entire batch of candy cane malort. Like it's so cool that that's the kind of place that Nisei is. That people want to get involved. That people want to make it happen. That it's not just About the 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 hundred and fifty dollar bottles. Like it's it's about like community and it's about family and it's about awesome and it's about the fact that Nisei has always been that kind of a bar and that's why we love Nisei. You know what I mean? That's why. Right now, your food
4: drive, your 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 food drive so far from the Greater Chicago Food Dispository virtual food drive, and we'll put a link on that when we release this, uh, has raised one thousand six hundred seventeen dollars, and that has provided. 4,851 meals last I checked. And Pat, I just want to say, I think some of us contributed to that on Saturday after uh Cubs caroling. Uh, I think we went oh. through two bottles of Malort or of a uh, candy cane Malort. So oh, yeah. um, it was, it was a little chaotic, but I'm just going to, you know, Pat, when you think about it, you were in Crane's Chicago business, uh, Chicago eatery, you were on Apple news, NPR. Like, did you ever think this was going to get this big?
0: Uh, we once held a wake for a Taco Bell that got nationally. <laughs> so we just do our thing, and if it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it still amuses uh, us, or at least me.
1: Malort Five Yarder, we've done that
0: in the past, so... I gotta I got say, NPR Saturday morning weekend edition is a whole new demographic for us, <laughs> so uh, we're excited for them to come in during the baseball season, but... Uh, we've always got something going on, but this one, look, they just acted like the Astros stealing signs, like just tip the cap and own it.
1: And thank right. you, obvious yeah. shirts for, I can't wait to cut the sleeves off of this and rock it. I don't know. There yeah. it is
0: right
4: there at right behind the bar, Nisei lounge infused my Lord. First, our friend Joe obvious. And everybody has, has really kind of, like I said, backing you guys up is that you guys aren't, you know, I'm going to just put this up here. I got an email in 2016 during the World Series. And if you remember, everybody was charging astronomical prices to get into the bars. And I get this email that said, hey, man, we appreciate you and your support for all the years. You know, come in and, and, and you know, I think you guys had half the bar for regulars and half for, you know, to help pay for some renovations. But no one else was doing it, and I think that's what makes Nisei so special. Is you guys, no matter what, you never forget about the people that that make Nisei so special. And I think that's a testament to the business and the people that work there. You guys are just all fantastic, and that's why we're all excited, you know, to to have your back this time because you guys have helped out so many people in the past. And that's why we love you guys.
0: Ah, thanks, Crowley. Really appreciate that, and we'll keep trying not to be bad people, insofar as we're able.
4: So guys, if you just want a quick plug, uh, where they could follow you on the socials, and and hope and go follow these guys, and then like I said, when this episode comes out, we'll put a link to the virtual um to the virtual food drive.
0: Yeah, we're at Nisei Lounge theoretically on Facebook and Instagram, but mostly on Twitter, and I guess that blue sky one we got an account too, and it's N I S E I, L O U N G E. Pronounce, like, the thing on your leg and say, because the best part when we let Crowley in for the World Series was all the people who told us they'd been there lots of times and couldn't pronounce the bar's name. So <laughs> don't be that guy, visitors from the podcast world. Nisei Lounge.
1: Nisei, yeah. When when people are like, oh, Nisei, I'm like, it's not Nestle Quick. Hmm. It's okay. It's okay. It's Nisei. Nisei and Val, where can Nisei. they
4: follow you on the socials?
1: Oh, yeah. It's just I'm everywhere. Whatever. <laughs> it's at val capone on the twitter x mobile and uh i'm val Fonce capone like alphonse with a v because i'm named after alphonse uh on instagram yeah it's just val mm-hmm.
4: thank you guys so much for 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 uh jumping on and i can't wait to see oh. you at nisee
1: crawley uh, uh, drink- um also um We are going to be open on Malortmas on December the 25th because it's the reason for the season, you know, Candy Cane Malort. So if people are looking for somewhere to go on December the 25th because they don't have anywhere to hang or they want to get away from where they have to be, (laughs) uh, the bar will be open at 7 p.m. So, you know, if you want to come by, bring food and cookies, whatever the heck you want to do, or just don't. Just come hang out, you know, and we'll have plenty of Candy Cane Malort on hand for you, the OG, and a couple other flavors, too, because I'm going to get weird.
4: All right, thank you guys so much for jumping. I don't
0: appreciate it. Uh, thank, for you, sure. thank
2: you, Crowley. This is episode ninety-seven of season two on the Fly, the W six hundred and seventy podcast. Scott Boris, his clients, and the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast, and find us on all the socials out there. In this segment, we'll give you a little news, little rumors, and of course we we'll talk about the events that Crowley is uh, participating in. Uh, Crowley, when are we going to talk about the caroling? Uh, we'll get there.
4: Trust me. I got some pictures. I got some video for those of you that are uh, that are subscribed to the YouTube channel. But, um, you know, we're, we, we got a lot of things that were actually going on. Some of them exciting, not so exciting. The Cubs, Dustin, today made a signing. Get ready, drum roll, please. It is lefty Thomas Pannone. Well from it's a lefty Cleveland. at least. It's a lefty. That's good news. They now they now they have a lefty. <laughs> so uh you know uh Carter Hawkins would know him from his day with the Cleveland Guardians, but uh boy, the uh, hot stove dustin is ice cold and not just for a cubs, not a lot of movement. The there was one big move that was made one big trade since we last talked. The Dodgers traded right-handed pitcher Ryan Pepiot and outfielder Johnny DeLuca to Tampa Bay for right-handed pitcher Tyler Glass. Now center fielder, Manuel Margot and cash Dustin. Yeah. Uh, the other big move that did not affect the cub Lord is signed a third three-year $42 million contract with the diamondbacks. You remember Guriel, who looks like one of those uh, what would, little elf things with the big giant hair. Uh, He was a big part of the Diamondbacks run, Uh, the troll, called the troll. Yeah. Looked like a troll doll with that purple hair spiked up, but uh, he was a big part of the D-backs run to the world series and the Tigers signed former Cardinal pitcher, Jack Flaherty to a one year, $14 million deal. So like I said, $10 million is nothing in, in baseball parlance anymore. But uh, the one thing we will see when we looked at our uh, our list of players that are on different tiers is that Tyler Glass now is somebody that the Cubs were very much you know supposedly mentioned a lot on uh, you know when you talk about these players, and he is now going to uh, he's now going over to the Dodgers as they just continue to build and build and build, and I just don't know who's going to be able to compete against what they're doing. But you can see from our tier one, Otani is gone as far as free agents. Soto is gone as far as tier one trade targets. And now Tyler Glass, now we talked about being a tier two trade target. So all of those guys, um, other than that, though, there are still plenty of guys available. If, if, if Yeah, Jed there's wants a couple of moving. those
2: guys on that list, Crowley, that I would be okay with, but I, I it's multiple guys. It's, it's multiple people.
4: Right. So, it's like what we one. talked about in, in segment one with Boris is that just – getting Bellinger by itself is not going to do it. What you and I have talked about from the beginning, we said you needed one of these tier one guys, Otani, Yamamoto, or Snell, or Soto, Cease, and Alonzo. Don't forget, Alonzo is a Boris guy as well. Um, Snell is
2: still sitting, and Snell still sitting out there, right? I
4: mean, S- Snell is still out there, yep. And so you, you got to get like a number one pitcher, which I still truly believe, a one or two pitcher, and you got to get a couple bats. Um, you know, if you're talking about Bellinger and you're talking about Hoskins. So it, it, the Cubs can still have very much a successful offseason. It just gets for, – for guys like you and me, you know, we kind of sit there
2: and, and get a little bit nervous as, as you kind of watch guys go off the board. Right, right. And it's understandable. It's okay, Cub fans. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be nervous. If you didn't, if you weren't nervous and not upset, that means you don't care. So don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't uh, be a little bit upset right now. It's okay.
4: Now, according to the scores, Bruce Levine, he talked about Bruce. this on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce. The Cubs offer, let's hear what Bruce has to say about the Cubs offer to Shohei
5: Ohtani. The Cubs offers were over $50 million a year for multiple years, maybe upwards of 10, okay? So if you don't think that's enough, um, would, the, the, the present value would have been more than what he's getting right now. Uh, if you don't think 50 to $55 million a year uh, offer is a sincere one and a serious one, uh, I can't help you out. All I can tell you is this. Uh, the Cubs have moved on from that. You won't hear them talking about it. They won't brag about finishing second or third. Uh, they don't believe in that. It doesn't really do them any good to put that out there. I can just tell you by, from my sources that their bid was intense. It was high. He decided not to come to Chicago and meet with the Cubs. His agent, Nez Belelo, did take contract offers from the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs were always serious about trying to bring Otani to Chicago. So if you're listening
4: to Bruce right there, offer, he didn't say it, but kind of read between the lines, 10 years, $50 million a year, $500 million, okay? Okay. If you listen, Dustin, to the last episode, we had John Becker on from Fangraphs. And even though the numbers, are, the Dodgers deal is 10 at $700 million, because of the massive deferments, that really comes out to $460 million in today's dollars. So he's going to be making roughly $46 million a year. So the Cubs offered more to Otani than the Dodgers. But Dustin, like we said, we don't think he ever wanted to leave the West Coast, number one. And number two, I just don't think that the Cubs have the reputation for being winners, not after the last couple, not not to have two teardowns in 10 years, I think that hurts them. Again, I don't think Otani was ever coming here, but at the same time, I think that the fact that, you know, the Dodgers consistently, if you think about the Dodgers and the Astros, those are the two teams consistently up there fighting for a World Series spot for the last close to eight years.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point that you make about the, um, the, the rebuilds, you know, the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs. I, I agree. I think he was never leaving the West coast. I think he is really into his routine and there's nothing wrong with that. I can't, I can't, uh, give the guy a whole lot of crap for that. I get it. Um, and let's see what happens. I mean, I, again, I was never on board with it. I wanted the Cubs to take five, 600 million to divide it into three players shoot Crowley at this point. I'd like to see the Cubs spend hundred million dollars. <laughs> Let's start
4: with something. Well, here's the thing that worries me, Dustin. And, and I've, I've seen this in a couple different places that just because the Cubs would offer offered 500 million to Otani does not mean that they're going to take that and split that up between like, it's not like they have $500 million in their pocket and they're ready to spend right. it. Right. I
2: understand like, that. I understand. i just just from jump street, when this first came out right. and they were talking about it, I was always saying, take the money and divide it between three or four people. Right, and
4: I think the fact of what Otani and we talked about this before, what he brings back to a team as far as value, other players don't. But right. get, well, guess what, Dustin? If you sit there and you and you build a dynasty, think about if the Cubs had what the Dodgers had, how much, you know, people go crazy spending money. They already do, and this team again, you know, was only an 83-win team. So put together a team like the Dodgers and and people will spend that money. It's not going to be like Otani. Again, we're talking about he's a once-in-a-lifetime unicorn fan. He's a player. unicorn.
2: There you go. Right. right. When, when, you, when
4: you bring the, the what he will with the Japanese crowd and, and and the worldwide recognition, but I just don't know if the Cubs are going to sit there at the end of the day and say, we just spent five hundred million in this offseason. I don't see that happening. Right. We've got some we, news
2: with the uh Max Scherzer, uh, camp, huh?
4: Right. Uh, Max Scherzer is going to get uh surgery on a herniated disc and you're going to say, well, Crawley, what does that have to do with the Cubs? Well, the issue now is they may turn around and he's in one of our tier two free agents. Jordan Montgomery would easily fit mm. that label of a one, two pitcher. So it looked like the Rangers were not going to sign, resign Jordan Montgomery, but now after losing Scherzer, it just feels like that's another team that's now in it to try to get Jordan Montgomery services.
2: Yeah. And then we've got uh, Yamamoto and the two New York teams are really battling for this guy.
4: Oh my, I, I mean, it literally I, I I think Steve Cohen, like literally was waiting outside the Yankees parking lot to, to, to wait for Yamamoto to come out, to, to bring him back to his house and offer even more money. Uh, the Phillies have jumped into the conversation with word coming that Bryce Harper spoke and was campaigning with Yamamoto um, I don't know, Dustin. How serious the Phillies are? We've talked about how much they've been spending. Uh, I just wonder if it's just a ploy to drive up the price for their rivals in the NL East. The Mets
2: could be, but uh, I think, uh, boy, he he sounds special. There's a there's a big story right now on the four letter network that I want to check out about him. About you know talking about how he works out, and how he puts his uh, his game and his body together. Something I want to check out from Jeff Passen. Absolutely. And the other thing you can do is one of the best
4: Twitter sites for baseball fans is Pitching Ninja. And Pitching Ninja has a whole bunch of videos up there of what Yamamoto uh, features, what it looks like. And all I can tell you is good luck to the batter in the batter's box. And I just, I've I've always, Dustin, since this offseason season started, I didn't want Otani. I wanted Yamamoto. And that has not changed absolutely one bit. But I and don't I, hear him
2: connected to the Cubs at all. Not even I, a little I bit. I mean, we're saying, less, we're, less. where is say, a Suzuki? Why isn't Seiya Suzuki involved in recruiting this guy? I don't know that he isn't. I'm just telling you right now.
4: Is that? Well, I, he, I, I mean, don't. I, I
2: need to hear that though, right? I want to hear that. I want to hear that he is. Right. I, I can't um, say I mean, that he isn't either, right, but I. But I. But when I. When I haven't heard that he is, I assume that he is not.
4: We do remember him talking to uh, Shohei Otani uh, when they played each other, and so hope you know. I mean, obviously that didn't help, but uh, and and I think it may have hurt that uh, that. Uh, that Seiya was not on Team Japan for the World Baseball Classic. So they didn't spend that time together hanging out, right? Yep. Right. So those are the things, Dustin, that freak you out. But like I said, the Cubs, you know, I don't know what they're willing to spend, but I will tell you, Jeff Passon, and guys, please remember there's still time left. But these are Jeff Passon had a list of free agent spending by team. The Dodgers at 717. Then you go to the Phillies next at 172. Diamondbacks, Giants, Royals, Cardinals, Reds, Tigers, Braves. They've all, everybody's spent something, but the Cubs have spent zero
2: dollars. Blutarski. They're doing the Blutarski. Zero point zero. That, that's interesting. Speaking of interesting,
4: Dustin, is that Christopher Morrell's winter season in the Dominican with Aguilar Cibaeñas has now ended. Now that's not a shock. A lot of times the Team that controls the contract will say, We would like you know, we'd yeah, we like had play this amount of time, and and, and <laughs> yeah, but you know, you, you want to give these guys a little bit of time to rest. Christopher, you know, Chris Morell would literally play baseball every day of his life if he could, mm. um, but but you want to give him some rest. But the question, Dustin, it, we've always asked ourselves is, Why, you know, can, can Christopher Morel play third base. And so um, our good friend of the pod, Andy Martinez, put out the uh what Morel's campaign looked like in the Dominican. He slashed 217, 369, 422 with three home runs, 12 RBIs, four doubles, and 106 plate appearances. So again, slug is always there. We've never doubted that. Average wasn't that good. At third base, 162.2 innings. .934 fielding percentage with four errors. Dustin that ain't good. Um shortstop 26 innings, 8. Uh, fielding percentage with two errors. So That's even worse, right? That's even worse. <laughs> and so,
2: you know, we That's had no doubt
4: worse. that that Morrell was never going to play shortstop. Not as long as there's a guy yeah. named Dansby Swanson. And if, God forbid, something happened, Dansby, you know, Nico would be the first yeah, one to move over Nico and right Morrell right. right. would play second. But just the question is, is can can Morrell play third base? And so I think, honestly, this is really one of those questions that, you know, we, we heard Craig Council being like, oh, he's got to play every day. He's got to
2: play. Someone's got to coach him up. Someone's got to get him te- working with footwork. I don't know again. Is it playing he first be... base? I mean, is that is that his next thing? Is he going to try first base out? I have no idea. But uh, you know, we had a little sample of third base, and and
4: maybe, you know, David Ross wasn't wrong in not playing him at third and instead of Nick magical And I'm not saying I'd rather have Magical over there, but I'm just saying it wasn't as simple as people were making
2: it out to be. No. And the Cubs and the Cubs are very big on defense. So they're, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to um, genuflect, if you will, to that, that they want, they want good defenders. They want, right. they want, they want solid, really solid, good defenders. That's right. Very, you're, that's you're, very important to them.
4: Right. This whole thing is predicated on run prevention. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, you know, interesting. We got some news today, Dustin, we got some
2: news. We got some news. I knew you would be all over this one cubs
4: convention and so there's a couple things you know uh, it's going to start out with experiences and conversations is how they divide it up so they're going to have the blue carpet arrival the opening ceremony surprise player autographs vendor shops the cubs hall of fame class of 2024 we talked about that in the last episode chicago uh, cubs charity grab bags harry karaoke which is outside and our friend john benedict friend of the pod good friend of mine um is going to be playing the organ, and, and they're going to have uh, you know, music for you to sing at. And then, of course, uh, after opening ceremonies, off the mound with Ryan Dempster. Now, the thing that people looked at when we talked about Saturday, the Compound is going to be back with Ian Happ, their podcast. We'll be going live. There's going to be a pitcher, pitcher session, which we've seen before, hitter session, which is normal, conversation with Craig Council, okay? So Craig is going to get his big debut at Cub Convention. Then we have a baseball operations update with Jed and Carter so get those questions ready, Cub fans. That's a good
2: one. That's a that's a that's a that's a must attend.
4: Right. So it, it, the way that it always worked, Dustin, is that you know and and then they're going to finish with the uh, they're going to have the kids only press conference which people love, a lot of funny questions come out of that. The Sweet 16 squad. I didn't know if we we were calling them that, but apparently they're going to have some 2016 guys there. And then the core from '84, the 40th anniversary of the 1984 team. So, obviously, that's going that I gonna bet be a we'll hear one. might
2: as well jump by Van Halen a couple times.
4: I would, I would think so. But when, when I looked at that, Dustin, the the two things that popped out to me is that after coming back last year, the Rickett Family Forum it is out again this year. So no uh, conversation, no. Media session with Tom, let's put it that way. Like, so when you talk about these sessions, you know, there, there's a guy that's leading it, whoever it may be. It may be uh, Jim DeShays, might be Coom Dog. I know Matt Spiegel's done some, yeah, Boog, um, Boog, whoever. But then it, they open up the floor to questions, and, the, and that's being broadcast on marquee. So, you know, people are going to ask sometimes some tough questions. So, rather than doing that, it's an experience you could have drinks with Tom somewhere, and yep. so. You know, Tom uh, let's I
2: mean Tom is accessible. Okay. Tom's accessible. He's gonna be wandering around the whole time. He mm-hmm. he he's I I like that about him. Um, maybe maybe since they're not doing that, my goal will be is to get Tom on the Friday or the Thursday ahead of CubsCon on with Mully and Haw. Right. And and that'd so, be a good that would be a good opportunity for him to you know make a connection with some fans that way.
4: Right. But it I guess the thing for fans is is you know, for years, you know, who was in charge of the Cubs when the Tribune owned it? It was right. a big, Nameless, faceless, eight. yeah, nameless, right. faceless, right? And I think people like the fact that they could sit there and talk to Tom and come to him with his issues. And some of them, again, we talked about the Sammy Sosa question, which he can't stand, right. or you can, you know, people. Well, that might like,
2: be that might be Crowley, that might be part of why this isn't happening because, maybe, but especially he's, he's with, the with the news, Before I know, but it's but but it's different this time, especially with the news that you had on the last podcast, things have right. changed. Things are a little bit right. different. And so maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it. I don't know. It, I guess for us, it, as he doesn't as fans, want to talk it, about David Ross. He's already taught, you know, he's already addressed that, you know, so I, maybe this is why.
4: I guess, but I guess, Dustin, if you're going to do them, you can't just do them when things are going good and not when things are tough. Oh, no, totally agree.
2: Totally agree. But maybe it's uh, an every know? other, maybe it's an every other year thing. I would be disappointed well, if they had consecutive years without it. From
4: well, my understanding, they always point to, well, the survey. Who do you think fills out the survey? It may be one. I want to know how many responses come from the survey. I do it because they keep saying that they listen to it. No. But other than that, I'm guaranteeing you 80% of the CubsCon crowd just sits there and hits delete when that survey comes. Always oh, doing a survey. No. Come on. All right. Well, the other thing is no business ops, which as long as I can remember they've had that for a long long time as well. No so that's crane usually Kenny. Crane Penny and 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 he'll have he would have, you know, Colin Faulkner would be there and then Brian Garza and different people at uh, the Cubs brass, so they're not going to be there either. So uh on Sunday it says honoring ML MLK's legacy African Americans in baseball. They used to last year they didn't. They used to have down on the farm which for a guy like me that loves prospects was a really fun one. Plus you give the young kids a chance to kind of get their feet wet with the media. They're not doing that this year. So I'm a little disappointed about that. Um, But hopefully we can have someone, you know, we're going to have someone from the Cubs on to talk about Cubs convention and, and kind of give us a, you know, hopefully a little bit more insight on what's going on. All
2: right, before we wrap it up a little bit about uh, Cubs caroling this past weekend.
4: Oh my God! A little rain did not stop the merry band of Cubs carolers, and so if you uh, are on the U- Score channel and you subscribe to the Fly the W podcast, uh, you can see some pictures here. This is us warming up. We ended up having close to probably over sixty people, with a lot of uh, a lot of famous Cub fans, Twitter fans, as far as Lauren and Alyssa There, you can see this picture of us in front of the tree. Captain Cubbo's there. My Thai guy's there. Larry Hawley from WGN News all there. Uh, Danny rocket wrote all the carols. And so, uh, we absolutely had a blast. We hit over 13 bars. Um, and all I can tell you is, is that we had, uh, a couple different Santa clauses, a couple elves. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and so, um, I'm not going to torture everyone too long, but I do have a, um, I do have a, uh, what should we call it? I do have a, a little video of us kind of running into a bar and, uh, doing those things. I'll see if I can I can find that for you, but, uh, it was all I can say is that for the people that came, it really, really was a special fun time. Um, and, and, and the crowds just keep getting bigger and bigger every year. So if you're somebody that has not been to to Cubs caroling and you've always been curious, um, I'm going to play this little video clip of us singing. Uh, I think the first song is Clark, the pantsless mascot Mm. to the tune of Rodolph off the red nose reindeer. And we have another song after that. It's um, "Deck the Halls of uh, Deck the Walls of Ivy" to deck the halls. So this is just kind of a little bit of of us having fun here. I said i, I want to thank everybody that came out here we had we had an absolutely so much fun and uh hopefully next year uh you can join us and hopefully the weather will be a little bit better um but we you know what the weather was beautiful and we had
2: a lot of fun doing it that's what it's all about Crowley. all right so we want to wish uh, everybody a merry christmas i don't know about Crowley, but i will not be recording a podcast on monday uh maybe on tuesday but uh, hopefully everybody gets time with friends and family and uh stay safe and maybe 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 there will be a cubs uh gift underneath our tree or in our stocking again i know everyone's a little bit nervous i'm gonna say
4: hold tight cub fans hold the line we're okay cubs can't come cub, that cubs kind is around the corner let's just have some fun and enjoy it and if any news breaks we will have it for you follow it here and please please leave those five star reviews go cubs
2: it's all over